What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, to the Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, normally, Coco Koska will be joining us. I don't know if she's going to be able to make it or not. Uh, uh, at the bottom of the hours, I do have a couple of people who will probably call in and just uh, we're just uh, old friends of the show and just shoot the bull and talk about what's going on. So basically, I say I know that uh, I know Coco ahead was taking her boyfriend to get his shot. I didn't know, you know, and I, and I know she's going to try to make it on the show tonight. You know, that's my impression. Hopefully she does. Uh, I will also say she's kind of suffering herself from a, her own reactions to this. So, and as I say, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to probably just say at least have one, maybe two special guests of the show. Just call in and see what's going on. And, I thought I would start here tonight is that we just got finished. I just got finished working on some studies and I thought I would kind of review them. They're kind of interesting studies. Um, And so we're going to kind of look at those. We're going to look at some of the news stories that we got coming down uh, and we'll discuss on this show among those issues. Let me put it this way. Let me see. You know, we're going to be covering a lot of stories. Uh, John Kerry, um, you know, uh, it appears that he may or may not have contacted the Iranians while during the Trump years, including talking about uh, what the Israelis were doing. Uh, not eating meat. We're going to ask the question, not eating meat and saving the planet. Uh, California, they have the recall. You know, what's going to happen? The most interesting story, minimum wage, where a McDonald's, we're going to do a story where McDonald's paid people $50 to show up for interviews. The fact is, is that, uh, you know, it's been really difficult for people to, you know, for employees and employers to find good help. And I see this here in the Cedar Rapids, Iowa area, where literally people are looking at $10, $12, $13, $14 an hour already being asked. And, and you're seeing this across the country. There is a shortage of workers, especially at the lower end. You know, people are having a difficult time finding employees. You know, you would think that in a, an economy where you have millions of people unemployed, but certainly part of that is dealing with the uh, stimulus package. Uh, uh, so, and so basically what I wanted to kind of do here tonight is like I say, so, so we're going to, like I say, we wanted to kind of touch base 
Uh, I am going to kind of touch base with, like I say, some some more interesting data tomorrow. Jennifer Cobera, maybe Justin Hart will be joining us. We're still working on the show. It's going to be an update of coronavirus, but I'll be kind of beginning with some of the data that I've been collecting. And then, and then, as I say, at the bottom of the hour, we'll hopefully we'll have some guests coming in. So uh, let me kind of begin this. As I say, we've got a lot to cover here. Uh, uh, so, and I'm and here's the first thing I'm going to start with uh, is okay. What I did recently, I looked at four sets of data, and and what we did was compare red states, blue states, lockdown versus not lockdown states. It was more of a summary of things we have done in the past through the foundation. But what I did is I looked at four different ways of looking at this study. So uh, at this study. So um, I just wanted to kind of touch base here on all of this. So, and the 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 one thing I wanted to see is I, I was looking at two things. The thing I was looking at is the economic side, unemployment side. You know, you know, lockdown versus the less non-lockdown states. Uh, also looking at the you know, red states who tend to be less restrictive versus blue states. You know, how we compare it with lockdown and with overall deaths from coronavirus. And I did you measure everything by try to do it by death. Uh, uh, death by per capita. So, uh, so, uh, and so this, this is like I say, kind of an important story. So here's the thing. I, I, the first study I did is like every week we do a running of the economic side and uh, the updates on the deaths per state. Now, the most recent data I took, I mean, essentially, in states with, and, and this was states with Democratic governors versus Republican governors. And in 2020, there were 26 states with Republican governors, 24 states with Democratic governors, uh, but that changed to 27 with the, in Montana, where a Republican took over for a Democrat. But, and so here's the thing there are 301,000 deaths in blue states versus red states, 263,000. Blue states average per state 600 deaths versus a little over 9,700 per state. At a per capita basis, uh, Republicans or red states, the Republican governors had 1,604 per 1 million versus deaths versus uh, 1,578. Which is about 26,000 lives deaths per 1 million. Then I looked at the overall unemployment numbers. On the average, in March, Democrats had 6.4% unemployment. Republican states had 4.6% unemployment. So it's about eight. So basically, what you had was 18,000 per 1 million. More people in blue states, Democrat states, were unemployed. And so the question will come into play here. And in the fourth quarter, 
Republican states averaged 5.1% growth in the fourth quarter versus 3.7% in states with Democratic governors. question comes into play is how do you measure success? And the question that comes into play here is we're talking 26 deaths per million. And the price was slower economic growth and 18,000 people per 1 million unemployed, more unemployed. So let me kind of repeat talking about is what we're talking about here is eighteen thousand eighteen thousand per one million and it kind of translates to when I kind of put it in uh, uh, terms here it this translates out to nearly six million people unemployed different I mean that let's say if blue states are has similar unemployment numbers to Republican states. We're looking at approximately 6 million less people unemployed if we had a similar across the board. Or you can say there's 6 million more people unemployed in states with Democratic governors. So the question that comes into play is that paid to stop the coronavirus. And you have to remember this. This doesn't count deaths from other causes. Uh, there have been at least one study that was done where we as, they as estimate 1.3 million additional deaths or prematurely die over the next 20 years. So in effect, overall, to save, let's say, less than 600,000, we may end up killing more than double population, the number of people killed may be a two-to-one ratio. And But I'm not even throwing that into the mix. I'm just simply looking at coronavirus. And with this particular study, when you're looking at 26 per 1 million, and you have to pay 18,000 unemployed as a result of that, is it worth we're not we're not talking a significant difference, maybe three to five percent differential within you know, with differential. That's a high price to pay. You can decide for yourself. Was that worth the price? A boy born in Joplin, Missouri, was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with this talent: one in two hundred and sixty thousand. The odds of this born racer having 157 career top 10 finishes in NASCAR? One in 125 billion. But every driver seeks the pinnacle of their achievements. The odds of him winning both the Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400 in the same year? One in 195 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism? One in 88. I'm NASCAR driver Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. 
brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Yes, this is Tom Donnelly here on the Donaldson Files and the Bachelor News Radio Network. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to advertise on this show, here's what you need to do, labachelor40gmail.com. That's right. Send an email. We want to talk about advertising on this show at labachelor40 at gmail.com. And what what this gets you is very simply put. You can get the following. Three ads. You can also... You'll be listed as a sponsor for the hour, so if you want to become a sponsor, that's even better. Plus, you get an additional mention. So you're going to get as many as six mentions in the show. And this will be repeated on the podcast on the Bachelor News Radio Network. So labachelor40 at gmail.com here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Okay. Back uh, Back to where I was at. So here's the thing. Now, the interesting thing about, I mean, one of the things I did in this thing is I looked at four different scenarios to look at. And some scenarios you would have blue states slightly less death. Some scenarios, blue states slightly more death when you look at all the data. So in other words, I tried to, I didn't necessarily look at it from a perspective, but the one thing that you're going to see is going to be very clear is that that uh, very clear, the economic side is consistent, is consistent on the economic side, is consistent. So, but the, the, you know, the deaths per capita are very, there's no real statistical significance, difference. Um, and let's look at the other way. Okay, number two. The second, we looked at the top eight popular states. This is approximately 160 million Americans and eight states, four with Democratic governors, four Republican governors. We're looking at Texas, Florida, Ohio, Georgia, whose population is about 74 million. We're looking at uh, four popular states with Democratic governors, California, New York, uh, New York, Illinois, and Pennsylvania, which has about 85 million. When you look at the demographics, they're very similar. You know, 55, 57% of, of the Democratic states had a white population, were white. 56 were white in Republican states. Uh, blacks made up 21% in Democratic states, by 20% in GOP states. Uh, Republican states actually had a slightly higher – I take that back. I take that back. Hispanics made up 21% in Democratic states, 20% in GOP states. Blacks had actually a slightly higher percentage of blacks of 15% versus 11%. And Asians made up about 8.5 to 3% with with the favor going to Democratic states. All right. And again, you look at the total death total. Uh, Democratic states had more deaths than coronavirus, 162,000 to 122,000. But here's the thing. On a per capita basis, Democratic states had a higher, and these four populist, and these eight populist states had a higher per capita death of 20, 30 deaths per million versus 1703 deaths per GOP state. So basically, 
slightly over 300 deaths per million. Now, interestingly enough, while the overall general, and remember, at the first study, when we looked at all 50 states, there was a slight, slight advantage for blue states. When you look at the bigger states, that disappears totally. The unemployment numbers were even were higher. Among the Republican states, it was 5.2%, which was higher than the national Republican average of 4.6. And in the Democratic side, it was 7.8% unemployment, which would be slightly higher than the 6.4% in March data. But the bottom line is now we're looking at something like 26,000 more people were unemployed in these particular states in contrast to the Republican side. And they had 300 and about 27 less deaths per million. And we got remember, Texas, Georgia, and Florida, for the most part, had an open strategy to the more restricted states where New York, Illinois, Pennsylvania, California, were actually had more restrictive were far more restrictive. And what you saw was less unemployment and lower growth because, again, the fourth quarter among the Republicans were very similar to the national average. Those four Republican states had a four, five point one percent growth, very similar to the national average, to about uh, – and so basically – what you're seeing here is very simple. You had more economic growth, less unemployment, and you had a higher – and you still had less deaths in these more populous states. So you look at it, the top eight states, the bottom line is no. – yeah, the bottom line is that you actually had more, you know, you had more deaths. Now, lockdown skeptics. Now, here's the interesting study. There was another study done. I want to kind of move to another study here. Let me see if I can get this one. Uh, I'm going to go with the divided GOP and Democratic before I go to lockdown. All right. In National Review Capital Matter, what they did, they looked at – now, they just looked at the economic side. They didn't look at the coronavirus side, which I added to it. But essentially what they found was the following. States either with Democratic governors and Republican control of one or two legislature or reverse you know, Republican governors with a Democratic hold of one or two of the legislators. Average – so that, the Republicans had an average of March of 4.7%. Those, and that's we're talking about states that are strictly Republican legislature governor, and divided states were like 5.3 percent. Republican governors running divided government was about 5.6 percent. Democratic governors of divided states 5.2 percent. All of this under the national average. Democrats' data had 7 percent unemployment. Contrast to the other two states. In other words, just as we've seen in every other study, just as we've seen in every other study, 
we saw very clearly that democratic states paled in comparison to you know, Republican states and economics. And average the average was deaths per capita was okay, 11644 deaths per million in Republican states. Democratic states had 1567 for approximately 77 million persons. Per million, 16 deaths per million with a lower unemployment. And what we found is, say, GOP states had 35% less unemployment than the Democratic states and 5% more in deaths per capita, very similar to the first study. Uh, interesting enough, they had 15% less unemployment compared to divided states, but slightly higher death total per capita. And the divided states themselves had less death and less unemployment. So a blue state, definitely. So what can we conclude here? Well, and again, these numbers don't show the increase in deaths from suicides, drug overdose delayed or no treatments for chronic diseases, increases in mental health issues, nor does it measure the loss of educational opportunities as many states were closed for school instructions. And so you get, you know, would the difference in deaths from red states versus blue states for the coronavirus be there, you know, be wiped out from if you threw this in there? You know, the possibility does, in fact, exist there. But there's no doubt that the unemployment side favored the red states. And, again, here's the price, 25,000 more unemployed per million in red states versus blue I mean less 25,000 less unemployed in red states versus blue states and the question is did this was this worth the price for that for an extra 5% reduction in deaths and and remembering as I stated earlier uh, as I stated earlier uh, As I stated earlier, we aren't counting excess deaths to other causes. So that comes into play here as well. So what we're talking, you know, so what we're looking at here is we got three studies seeing basically when you combine all of the numbers. There's really no statistical significant difference in deaths per capita between Republican and Democratic states. But there's certainly a significant difference between unemployment and economic growth and prosperity between Republican and Democratic states. In other words, we're less likely to see economic growth. They were more likely to see Yeah, and the, but they were not more likely to see. I mean, in other words, there was no significant deaths when you put in all of the studies together. And so this, uh, you know, comes into play here. Is it's important to understand because there's a price to be paid. 
We, in the economic side of the world, you use the word what other trade-offs. Was the trade-off worth an additional four to six million people unemployed to say possibly a 1%, 2%, or even 0% deaths per capita? You can't even make the case. And we're going to do lockdowns here very shortly after this. And one of our guests is called in, and we will get back with her as well. This is Tom Donaldson here on the Donaldson Files and the Bachelor News Radio Network. You might know me. I'm 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are a few in six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger is too close for us to ignore. So visit feedingamerica.org slash hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent, and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, here back to Donaldson Piles on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And don't forget, if you want a chance to advertise on this show, uh, what you need to do is labachelor40 at gmail.com. Send an email. We'll send out the sales team. Three ads. You get to be listed as a sponsor of the show, and you get one mention in the show. So you get six opportunities to have your name brought out if you go for the big package of being a sponsor of the show. It's a bargain, and we'll make it and we'll work it so it work, works to your advantage. Uh, so this is Tom Donaldson here with the Donaldson Files and the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, joining me. Uh, on the line is our good friend, the Swamp Girl, Pam. How you doing, Pam? I'm doing pretty good tonight, Tom. How you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. And uh, well, like I said, I want to finish this. Then there's a few things I'm, you know, we're going to get into because uh, you know we got uh, the John Kerry story, uh, border disasters. <laughs> uh, I got a story here: minimum wage in McDonald's, where literally McDonald's is paying people. And I think it's in Florida, and we'll get to the story. $50 just to show up for the interview. You know, even if you don't get the job, you get 50 bucks. Uh, and we're going to answer the question, to how, you know, what killed more people than the coronavirus in San Francisco? There's a question we will ask that question as well. And then there's John Kerry, who got caught, I guess according to a, a leaked story, that he may have been uh, tattling about, to, about Israel to the Iranians in secret meetings when he wasn't even a government official, but a private citizen having conversations with the Iranian government. And so that uh, is an interesting story. So we got all of this. And then I want to answer the big question. Are you willing to eat one hamburger a month to save the planet? No. Yeah, well, like I said, we'll go more into that. But I thought you know, <laughs> we'll go more into that. So, okay. But well, here's the thing. I, here's the thing I'm going to bring up here is, like I said, I was just, like I said, I'm reviewing this series of studies that I conducted. I just got finished doing, and and what I did is, like I said, what I did is I kind of looked at, okay, different ways. Uh, for example, divided government. What we would say when you have Republicans and Democrats, you're having control of the governor's seat and, and legislature mixed. 
Then you have strictly GOP where they control everything and democratic states where they, you know, control everything. And so far, basically, you know, you know, the point I've made is that I looked at it three ways, you know, divided government. Uh, we also did one where I just simply compared Republican versus Democratic governors in the top eight states, most popular states, and then all 50 states. And I find it fascinating that the bigger the state is, I mean, I say when you, you know, put everything together, uh, you know, there is no real significant death, but you're basically looking at anywhere between 18 to about 25,000 per million people unemployed. Now, the lockdown states, and interestingly enough, there are about 13 states that did not lock, or you know, 11 states that did not lock down. One of them is your South Carolina during the winter months when we had the surge. Gotcha. And inter- yeah, and interesting, all of these states happen to be Republican. The average death total per million, 1,571 per million, in the non-lockdown states. So those states that didn't re-lock down their economy in the winter, like South Carolina, uh, average 1671. Uh, Those states that locked down average 1736 per million. And not only that, but you look at the top, let's see, three, four, five, six, eight. The The nine worst states all lockdown states. One, and all but two of those nine, and seven out of those nine states had Democratic governors. And one was a total red state with you know total control, which was Mississippi, and one was a Republican state with a Democratic legislature with the Massachusetts, which was Massachusetts uh, Republican governor, Democratic legislature. Here's the interesting thing. 4.3% unemployment in those non-lockdown states, lockdown states had 5.8%. And this is, again, interesting. This is follows data that we had done previously to the foundation. And my point I'm going to make to this audience is, is we got two, we got, four, these are four studies, lockdown versus non-lockdown states, Republican versus Democratic states, and how you measure it. And on the average, there's no significant difference in deaths per, you know, per capita on coronavirus. But you're seeing anywhere between 15,000 to approximately 25,000 per million more people unemployed in blue states. And you had, like, in the fourth quarter, about a 20% l- slower economic growth. Uh, I don't know. It sounds like to me the lockdowns weren't a great, uh, were not a great success. What do you think? Well, well, I'd have to go Coco on you with this one. What were the okay. rates prior to the coronavirus? Number one, number two, the population. Number three, the climate. You know, um, I understand that. Yeah. Uh, this is just my general view: is that places that have more population and colder climates, more people stayed in, stayed together, and were closer together. You know, here I'm standing and talking to you in my backyard, and there is nobody around. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's also the yeah. weather. Uh, you know, I. I that's why yeah. I'd have to go toe on you with well, that. I, 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 yeah. I can understand yeah. what you're saying. 
and I understand yeah. how you're doing that with Republican and Democratic states, but you also have to look at the population, the health care coverage. You know, uh, they were doing experimental stuff here when COVID first started with the uh, blood transfusion stuff here that wasn't being tried elsewhere. Elsewhere they were trying medications and this and that. Yeah, so yeah. some of those variables, but when you're talking about the unemployment rates and stuff, um, to me, it depends on uh, how, you know, in your democratic states, it seems to me that they take, you know, they are, they are the let me take care of you and tell you what to do type of state. We talked about unions the last time. Here we've got the right to work stuff, you know, going on. Um, it's a, it's, you know, I don't know how many of those variables are in those stats you gave out. You see what I'm saying? I would add on yeah. as many well, variables as yeah, I yeah, could to that. But thing. looking at it overall, I see exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here's the thing. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. But here's the thing I would look at is that, okay, that's the reason why I did the things. I mean, first of all, we did have a research which we put those variables in, and that was like during the fall. And we found similar, right. you know, mm-hmm. we found the same thing. We found the same thing. So we did that. Now, in this particular case, again, I didn't do all the variables like Will for Riley did for us in the winter. Uh, but okay. what I did do, okay, but let's look. I mean, here's the thing. That's the reason why, you know, I did a separate study in just the most popular states, the top eight popular states, you know, four Republicans, right. four Democrats. Gotcha. And, and basically, they have definitely populated cities. And from a racial perspective, I mean, from a demographic, there were very similarities. They were similar in white. They were similar in number of Hispanics. They were very similar. In fact, Republicans had slightly more black population than the Democrats of those top eight states. And the Democrat, mm-hmm. Republicans had slightly more Asians uh, than, let's say. And so I understand exactly what you're saying. And then when we looked at the non-lockdown states, this includes some very good-sized states. Utah, Florida, Texas. And so, yeah. And so I know exactly what you're saying. You're making a very good point. And certainly, you know, one could do, let's say, we could delve more into that data, you know, into those variables. Uh, yeah, and I how tried, many do you have? In, and I will, I'm, I won't throw it out there if you don't. How many have right. higher immigration? Uh, a population too, because that community sure. around here no. seems to be the one that got the message last, in my opinion, because I live in a very yeah. integrated community here, and uh, the message wasn't presented to them to where, you know, they were concerned about that much, and then you've got the cultural issues, which you and I have talked about several yeah. times, you know. Where yeah. you have units, you don't just have mom and dad yeah. and a kid. You've got, you know, entire units of family, as culturally. So, yeah. well, you know, okay. I, like yeah, I, said, I good, have to go cocoa on you on some of that stuff. Well, that's know. a good point. I mean, you're, you're making a good point. I mean, but here's the thing. Okay, okay. Among the Republican states, here's who you got. You got Texas, which has got high immigration. Uh, Florida, it's it's got high Hispanics, but I'm not sure. Their Hispanic mix is different than any other country. Uh, Georgia has got an increased number of immigrants coming in. 
Uh, New York, and okay, Illinois. Again, now Illinois is also uh, does have high. You know, uh, you know, the, the Chicago is like the number one. Uh, it's like in the top five states of Hispanics. And as a state, they had 18% of their population Hispanic, very similar to New York. Obviously, California and Texas are both high Hispanic population. Both are border states. Uh, so, yeah. So, again, yeah, you, know, well, see, I, uh, you know, I'm I'm wondering if that's going to change. Like, you talk about South Carolina. I'm wondering if, and this is what I've been kind of sort of, yeah. me and my little quirky brain has been going we have a migrant population that comes in and, and does harming i yeah. mean it's seasonal and uh you know those people come in and they get their permits to come in and 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 uh work the farms and stuff and that's always been the case um and i'm just wondering you know how well did the word get out that there's a bad yeah. disease here you know what i mean um, yeah, I know what you mean is, you know, how many of the migrant workers spread the coronavirus in South Carolina or some of these other states that they come in? And that's well, a good, how again, many, a good and point. My concern is how many are, are are perishing because of that, you know, because they didn't know. Yeah. You know, yeah. you've got people, you might have, you know, nine people in one bunkhouse, you know. Like I said, it's seasonal, and they go and they work the different different places and each year everybody's looking forward to them coming back you know and, um yeah well i guess i mean but, yeah, I was just wondering you know, about I mean, that. yeah the answer question is, i mean obviously i did not necessarily you know did not necessarily look into okay emmer you know immigration status as far as that goes but if i look at you know the overall numbers again i mean uh, and like yeah. I say, when I'm looking at comparisons here, uh, and I'm looking at comparisons, you know, there are, like I say, there you got Texas, you got Florida, which has a high Hispanic population, you have California, you know, Georgia, which has got an an increasing number of Hispanics coming into the state, Ohio, Pennsylvania, uh, two of the states that are side of this, are states with smaller population of Hispanics. They don't have the same immigration that you see in the other states that I've just mentioned. So I tried to even that out as much as possible with that, you know, with those numbers. So. Yeah, I, yeah you it, know, it, I just get, I get, I get, I, yeah, you know, I understand what you're yeah. saying. I've read your research and stuff on it, and I agree with it totally. You yeah. know, you lock people down and they're going to get sick. Sorry, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. The mask mandates yeah. and things like that didn't seem to face this yeah. disease whatsoever. Um, well, here's the other thing. You know, here's the other thing too that comes in place that, and is okay. I'm going to take a quick break because there's another point I want to bring up. Did you? And I kind of want to get your points on this uh, here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. I got Pam the Swamp Girl joining me. Don't forget tomorrow, Jennifer Cabrera, possibly Justin Hart is going to be joining us. Uh, these two people are two of the data analysis experts on coronavirus so we're going to ask a whole lot of questions to them and hopefully they'll have us an answer yeah. uh, i think that would be a little bit so, better than me right <laughs> well actually better than me i mean these these people know I mean, I think yeah these people know the numbers i mean they yeah. you know, i mean 
It'll be just a hard I'll be listening to that, yeah. yeah. He's a geek. Have you ever heard a show? I mean, you've ever, you know, yeah. what I thought. So hold on just a second. This is Tom Donaldson, Bachelor News Radio Network. Go, Caleb! Come on, hit a homer, Jesse! Go, guys! Hey, did you guys know that kids who play sports earn more money when they grow up? <laughs> of course. I, I knew that. Hey, did you guys know that kids who read books have a bigger vocabulary? Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wow, Jinx. <laughs> Did you guys know that friendly children have more friends? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's true. I knew that. Did you guys know that winter babies are better at music? Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah? yeah. Pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. obvious. Oh, hey, guys, did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? Huh, I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure I knew that. I'm pretty sure you didn't. Parents who really know it all know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat to make sure your child is protected. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Yeah, this is Tom Donaldson and Donaldson Bob. If you want to comment here in the last 18 minutes with and join uh, uh, Pam, the Swamp Girl, myself, uh, feel free to call at 646-929-0130, 646-929-0130. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, we do have some other great programming on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Don't forget the Bachelor News Radio Show with L.A. Bachelor as your host. He talks about issues of race, politics, policing, injustice, inequality, religion, sports. They affect brown, black, and poor people negatively. Uh, Every Monday and Thursday on this network, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, at blocktalkradio.com slash la-bachelor. And don't forget, you can also get this show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And you're the law, which will follow this particular show every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So just uh, and two is another great show. And they got some great guests. And we got two of the sharpest uh, criminal minds, uh, uh, Keith Humphrey and Virgil Green. All right. Now, okay. Here's a, okay. This is a, again, here's an interesting tidbit here. Because one of the things I did is, okay, the COVID tracking, which was associated with Atlantic Magazine, you know, they just kind of wrapped everything up. But their most recent data, uh, I'm looking at, like, blacks and Hispanics per 100,000, okay? And the three worst states, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, for blacks, and for Hispanic, New York, and New Jersey. Followed by, exactly. you, know, you know, followed by Arizona. Now, okay. So, and again, I kind of did, you know, I, you know. So I, and one of the things I did, and by the way, we did a study on this uh, with all the uh, two of the variables last fall. One of the things we looked at, we found what I'm about to say here, that blacks and Hispanics, blacks were more, and Hispanics were more likely to die 
and states with Democratic governors and Republican governors uh, when we looked at it. But here's some of the numbers. I mean, if you want to put it in this capacity, is this. If you live in New York, if you're black, 352 per 100,000 died in the coronavirus. Uh, Hispanics was 252 per 100,000. Florida, which is everybody's uh, demon, had 150 blacks per 100,000, 137 per 100,000 Hispanics. So in other words, you are twice as likely to die under Andrew Cuomo than Ron DeSantis. And again, I didn't do all the variables that you're looking at, uh, but I'm. Well, is that counting counting being thrown into a nursing home? Well, that would be that would be that would be counted that. Yeah, absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. So I mean, that's New York. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, and so, I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at these numbers, but, I mean, here's the thing. Again, I took the top four populous states. They're similar in demographics, similar numbers. Basically, New York, Illinois, Pennsylvania, and California average about 167 deaths per 100,000 for Hispanic, 227 deaths for uh, 100,000. Uh, for blacks. Florida, I mean, when you look at Florida, Texas, Georgia, Ohio, those are the four most popular states. That number was 152 per 100,000 and 119 per 100,000. Right? Your South Carolina is 179 per 100,000, which basically means New York, Illinois, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Michigan – ranks far ahead of them. So if you're a black living in South Carolina, you're safer being a black living in South Carolina for coronavirus than you are in New York, in Illinois, in Pennsylvania, uh, New Jersey, and Michigan. So so that, I mean, those are the numbers. I mean, and like I said, we're going to really delve into those tomorrow night as well. But I do want to get you. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I can argue with you again on that as far as it might be cultural. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because uh, despite what people are, despite what the news is, if you really look at South Carolina and the people here, um, it's like you take care of your neighbors. You don't care what color they are. You don't care what language they speak. Um, Our little neighborhood communities are like that. Now, there are some that are elite. I am not going to tell you that. And there's some parts of the state that are elite. Um, yes. However, on the whole, on the cultural level, um, you take care of your neighbors and stuff, and people look out for each other, I think, um, despite, like I said, skin color or even language um, barriers. You know, everybody gets people to the doctors and, and uh, tries to help people out here. I think that uh, that's something that I like about this state in particular. Um, now we have some Democratic mayors here that lock their cities down and stuff, and and uh, you, you know people raise cane and stuff. But but on the whole, uh, I think 
people look out for each other here, whereas I've noticed in some of the big cities, people don't even know who their neighbor is. Yeah. You know. Well, there's a yeah. You say that, that may be a valid. You know, certainly is a valid point, and certainly in the case of South Carolina, I mean, you don't have, let's say, I mean, I think isn't it, what's it Greenville or is it Columbia the largest city population wise? Oh man, I couldn't tell you that right now. Greenville's been growing and growing and growing and growing up there, yeah. and, and we call it the we just call it the upstate area because you got Greenville, Spartanburg, you got Clemson University, Pickens, you got yeah. Anderson. They're all there, right straight on eighty five. Um, yeah. And that whole place is booming up there. Um, when I say booming, yeah. I'm talking about building, uh, housing, and things like that. Whereas um, the older populations are in the the Midlands and the lower country. Um, the beaches um, after Hugo did a big, huge, you know, uh, land boom, uh, yeah. and you've got you know different people coming in down there. But on on the whole. What I call the the meat and taters of South Carolina, uh, and, and it's not uncommon for people to say, "Where are you from?" You know, yeah. here. Um, yeah. It's just not uncommon yeah. for that, and I think that's one of the things I like about this. And I'm just using I'm a, I'm a small girl using the small neighborhood situation. Yeah. I know what's going on two blocks away from me. People walk. You talk about being outside. You walk, and you know what's going on with your neighbors. You know who's sick, who's not sick who needs help, who doesn't need help. This person might need this. This person might need that. And that's the way we handled the COVID. I was the person going to the store getting groceries for like five houses, you know. <laughs> and that's something you yeah. just do. Um, whereas there, I was the one person going out and everybody was staying in. You know, we did have a lockdown for, what, 14 days? We, we did have the 14-day yeah. lockdown. But yeah. uh, it wasn't really a lockdown. You could still go to the store, and you could go to the, you know, uh, wherever yeah. you needed to go. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, like I said, I understand what you're saying. And again, I mean, it's certainly you can make that reflective in the case of South Carolina versus these other states. With their but numbers. the governor here also said that it, you know, he believes it's free will. Yeah. He stood up and so, said that. You know, yeah, you so know, he, we yeah. people people think we ain't got much. It's a smart talk, slow and walk slow. Um, but uh, yeah. people kind of yeah. know what to do. You yeah. Know. Well, like I said, you I mean, give us the information yeah. and we'll handle it. You know. Well, yeah. Well, that's absolutely correct. And, and like I said, the point I made is earlier is that you know you you know in the case of South Carolina, you don't have the major. But in the case when you look at comparing, let's say, a state like Florida, Texas, Georgia, or you, uh, New York, Pennsylvania. These are states that do have very high density population, or cities of high density population. So they're very similar in comparison uh, in that regard. Okay, uh, we got about eight minutes left, and I do want to really get into this. There are several other points I wanted to kind of make in there, real quick here. Uh, you had some other first, topics that were kind of interesting. Yeah, here's the topic. Here we go. All right. Bill Gates wants you to avoid eating beef and switch to synthetic meat to fight climate change. So I think you already gave your answer, but I want you to go ahead and give me your answer one more time. You know, are you going to be a non well, and eat, huh, are you going to eat the fake meat? Just, <laughs> just let me get real on you on that. How much methane do you want to come out the other end of me to contribute to, to global warming? <laughs> That's the question that needs to be asked. 
Yeah. So what you're saying? I don't is know if anybody's thing. ever had ever had a veggie burger, but that's enough damage in itself to to crack the ozone. <laughs> you okay. see what I'm saying? Well, I mean, well, I exactly. real, so yeah. no, I, I don't want to give up my cow meat or my or my bambi burgers or anything like that that I've been eating. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we, I, I mean, we eat bambi burgers. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, like I say, I, I'm one of those that say, you know, you, know, you, you know, what's the old saying? You know, I'm going to eat my hamburger. I mean, somehow or another, yeah, I, I imagine, I imagine there's some synthetic beef that tastes good. But no, Tom, there is not. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> well, then that takes care of that. Yeah. But I have to say, there's nothing to me that's as good as a nice ribeye. Uh, at and how is that nice going to save the environment, Dave? I mean, how is uh, it? Ba- is well, it you trade a cow safe. fart for a people fart? I mean, come on. Yeah, essentially, you know? they're, basically, you know, they're basically saying, in effect, cows give methane uh, to, to, to keep uh, a, you know, cows on a farm is very energy intensive, blah, 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 well, blah. Well, let me ask about this. That. What are they going to do about the farting ponds? We have farting rivers and farting ponds. We have swamps here. We have methane. Methane comes up out yeah. of water from yeah. you know dead vegetation and stuff have has anybody gone it's called swamp gas it's methane yeah i mean well, nobody yeah. goes there with that you know yeah so hey well, you know I'm just, oh, no i'm still eating the meat i'm too old too right. tired and... yeah all right well, okay here's the uh here's the like i say an interesting story here uh is a, is a, I think this was okay. Florida McDonald, you know, they are so desperate to get people to work for them that they will pay you fifty bucks just to show up for the interview. Yeah, I, it, like I say, you know, it, it's kind of an interesting situation to me because we're in a you're in a situation right now where literally. A lot of these stores and a lot of these franchises, restaurants, franchises, stores are looking for workers. They're literally looking. I, you, know, you, you drive around uh, Cedar Rapids and there are signs saying $12 an hour. Oh. Sorry, $12 an hour. And, and in Florida, you're looking at as many as $13 an hour. You're almost getting to that 15 bucks an hour uh, well. without – yeah. And so this guy basically – you know, they were basically saying, okay, we're paying $50 just to show up for an interview. And he still is looking for applicants. I think a They're business having, has any right to do that if they want to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I well do. they do. But I I'm just saying. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's interesting to me that because I've talked to people, when you have these stimuluses and you know, money floating around all over the place, you know, and I saw this in the last summer, you know, when I talked to restaurant managers last summer, and they would tell you, you know, those people getting that extra $600 per week. You know, I had one manager say, oh, yeah, I, can't it, get these, I can't get these people back to work. I literally have 25, 30 openings. There are people, let's say, to this that day I, it's still cheaper to stay home and collect unemployment. Yeah. I mean, to this yeah. day, as we speak. Yeah, yeah it's, it and, is. And, 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 it's, and it's kind of an interesting paradigm because here's you know, one side of the equation. 
you can literally make your almost your minimal. You know, you're going to make thirteen bucks an hour, twelve to thirteen bucks an hour. Uh, yeah, but see, the other side of that is nobody has told these people. All right, if you do not want to go to work, that small business will close. Then where are you going yeah. to go get your burger? People do not understand that part of the equation as far as keeping their local economies going. They don't care. Yeah. And yeah. you can't afford the gas to get that. You know that money will not afford you the gas to go to the next county who might have a McDonald's or whatever, a burger or whatever, yeah. you know, drive whatever. You, yeah. you see what I'm saying? Because of the same situation. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, yeah. if you don't don't have the businesses. Then your money's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Well, like I said, the point to me is I think it was an interesting story because I was intrigued by the idea that you got businesses so desperate for workers that they're willing to pay you just to show up and be interviewed. Here's fifty bucks. Now let me talk to you. <laughs> they're paying yeah. you to come interview, and it's just you know. And by the way, we're living in a country, I mean, look, I mean, the unemployment in Florida is 4.7 percent, point higher than it was last year at this time. So, uh, and so it's not, you know, even in states like Florida where you have a lower unemployment, it's still higher than what it was last year. So you still have right. a lot of workers out there that are not working. And you got to say to yourself, okay, uh you know, what do you do to get these people back in the job market? Obviously, there's that disconnect, as you stated, you know, with the various stimuluses out there. You know, there are enough people who are probably earning as much not working than working. And right. I, I guess it's the but on law. The, on, the, on the other side of that, on the other side of the equation, though, if you think about it, big corporations do this. When they look for applicants and stuff, they will fly people in for an interview yeah. and put them up in a hotel for an interview. Yeah. And we're talking about major bucks, but yeah. it's still point. a similar yeah. thing where you're paying yeah. for somebody yeah. to come interview for your company. You know, okay. I'm, I'm so yeah, – I'm I'm you know, right I just there. shrug my shoulders, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to stop you right there, Pam, because I want to thank you very much because we're right at the end of time. Thank you, the Swamp Girl, for coming on the show. Unfortunately, uh, Coco – uh, was not able to make it in. She kind of texted me that the appointment with her boyfriend to get his vaccine uh, ran a little bit late. So hopefully next Tuesday she'll be joining us. This is Tom Donaldson on the Bachelor News Radio Network saying good night.
Hey, we want to welcome everyone to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We're glad that everybody is able to tune in and join us for another edition of the uh, You and the Law podcast show. And we want to, if you're a first-time listener, we want to remind you that the call-in number to the show is 646-929-0130. That's 646-929-0130. And uh, if you have a comment or a question, uh, the uh, producer will uh, ask if you want to come on and and, uh, talk with us. If not, uh, you can just uh, leave your comments in the chat room, and we'll definitely get those comments, uh, and we'll answer those comments on air. Or if you'd like to come on the air and talk with us, uh, please do so. We're always glad to listen, uh, always glad to have our listeners come on the air and talk with us. So, um, but we want to remind you that if you are on social media, if you want to follow uh, You and the Law podcast show, you can follow us on Facebook. Uh, that's at You and the Law One. That's You and the Law One. And you can follow us on Instagram at You underscore and the Law. And you can also follow us on Twitter at You the Law One. That's You the Law One on Twitter. And so, um, Today we've got an exciting uh, show to talk with uh, our listeners about. It's uh, uh, definitely a, a topic that uh, really needs to be talked about, especially if dealing with our with our young youth and how they are uh, the, the being traumatized when they're uh, coming into contact with law enforcement and what is the long-term uh, mental um effects that that will have on our youth uh, in the community. And so uh, it's a topic that uh, me and my co-host, Chief Humphrey, uh, felt it was uh, much needed to have because of everything that's been going on uh, between uh, the minority community and law enforcement. Uh, Oftentimes we don't um, talk about those uh, mental health issues that our, our, our young children are seeing and dealing with, and they may not have the um, outlet to to express their views and their and their opinions, especially of what they are seeing um, that's going on in their community. So, um, just looking forward to having that uh, conversation with uh, with my co-host, um, who goes by the name of uh, Chief Swag, and uh, uh, he's going to be uh, tuning in and, and and joining us, but. You know, I couldn't do the show without you, brother. Man, you you know you play a significant role, and and, and your part is being the co-host. So you should okay, feel, we're gonna you get feel this, real honored. You're gonna get this right one day. I am the host. Okay, I'm not a co-host. You're the co-host. I'm the host, and I make what the show. You, oh, you made right, right there. <laughs> What's going on, brother? How you doing? You doing all right? I'm doing good, sir. I'm doing good, man. Glad, glad to, glad to hear your voice, man, and glad we could come on and and talk with our listeners uh, about uh, things that's going on in in the around the world, around the United States, with um, with law enforcement and in the in the minority community. Yeah, man. I think these are topics that we can't talk about enough, and uh, you know, I just go back to my childhood and. Um, the relationship that, the, well, actually the relationships that were not positive in the 
community that I grew up between uh, police and, and the kids in the community. As a matter of fact, uh, kids were scared uh, of, of police. And um, did they have a right to be? Well, yeah, based on what they saw. Um, there was not anything that was discussing about the positive and proactive things law enforcement were doing in the community. Uh, they had uh, events. They had the PAL program, but in, in the community that I grew up, that was non-existent. It was, it was go from call to call to call, be reactive, put people in jail, uh, be more aggressive in, in that community. And that's what a lot of kids have ingrained uh, that I grew up with, they had ingrained in their, in their minds uh, when it comes to an image of police. Yeah, you're right, Keith. And you know, and you know, oftentimes we hear parents uh, who will tell children when they see a police officer, uh, "If you do something bad, he's going to handcuff you. He's going to take you to jail." Uh, man, that just that, that, that just that, goes through me when I hear that, man. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, and I think some parents they they seem to think that that's just a a, a way to kind of you know, I don't know, frighten the kid, but I know I never did it to my kids. But uh, I, I, and I often tell parents that uh, that's just not a way to really, because we don't want them to fear the police. And when you explain that to the parents uh, and to the child, um, they 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 walk away with a different uh, perspective about uh, using that comment that um, that. You know, uh, hey, if you if you get in trouble, they're going to put the handcuffs on you, and um, so it's not something that we would encourage parents to even um, express that with their kids because of everything that's going on uh, with police. And unfortunately, you know, Keith, we're uh, we're dealing with another uh, officer-involved shooting in, in North Carolina, and uh, from just today, the FBI has opened up a civil rights probe into the shooting, and it just appears that there's not a, a lot of um, transparency that's going on with the shooting that occurred in North Carolina and that the fact that there are a lot of uh, questions and um, the police are not um, uh, really releasing a lot of information. I think they've only... Uh, released a, a short uh, video to the family to see, and everything that I'm seeing, I don't know what, what you've seen, but it appears that the family has talked about the shooting more than uh, more than the uh, local law enforcement has talked about the shooting. Well, you know what, Bert, I found that interesting because I, I know one of the things that people were talking about was the re- release of the video, and I guess in North Carolina... This is just what I've heard. I don't know for a fact. I guess in North Carolina, you have to get approval. The department has to get approval from either the state attorney or the local attorney, from a judge, mm-hmm. yes, to release that. I've never heard of such things. I've never heard anything like that in my life. And so, yeah, me so neither. You can't, you can't blame the local authorities because they've got to follow those rules. Uh, but I don't understand how that, if you're talking about transparency, uh, and not on a part of that organization. And just talking about, if you're talking about being transparent, why do you have to ask a judge to give you permission to release body cameras from footage that was paid for by tax dollars 
uh, I don't get that. I, I don't understand that. Uh, you know, maybe it's just that it's not for me to understand, but that does not make sense to me. Well, Keegan, I, I think one of the things that a lot of people are really having a hard time understanding, yeah, okay, there is, they make, there is a state law that says that the any law enforcement has to get the permission from uh, a judge or a prosecutor to release that information. Uh, it would appear that it, the sooner you're able to release this, the sooner you're able to address what happened and the public doesn't walk away with their own um, perception of what happened. And now the attorneys of this man's family, they are sharing a lot more with the public than, than local law enforcement are. But Keith, we're, we're coming up on taking our first break. We're going to take this break and we come back. We're going to be getting into the topic of the show why black children are traumatized by police encounters, but you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We're back with shocking newly released body camera video showing a disturbing encounter between Maryland police and a five-year-old boy they put in handcuffs. Kathy Park reports. Don't make me take you over there. Your record of that Okay. Tonight, growing outrage in Maryland over this newly released body camera footage. Two Montgomery County police officers responded to a call to bring back a five-year-old student who left school after he allegedly broke a computer. Get in. Now. I'm not asking. Get in the car. I don't want to hear it. After the officers bring him back, the situation quickly escalated. Police blurred the identity of the child. Meanwhile, the yelling and berating is all caught on camera. I mean, how do you learn that type of behavior at five? That's why people need to beat their kids. Sit down. When the boy doesn't stop crying, one officer screams just inches from his face. Police released a near hour-long video Friday, near the end of the footage, with his mom in the same room. An officer places handcuffs on the boy's wrist. These are handcuffs. You, you want to go for? with Uncle Bird or what? Huh? Huh? You know what these are for? These are for people that don't want to listen and don't know how to act. The incident took place January of last year. After an internal investigation, Montgomery County Police said both officers remain on the job. The boy's mother has since filed a lawsuit seeking justice and compensation for his trauma. In a statement, the school district wrote in part, our heart aches for this student. There is no excuse for adults to ever speak to or threaten a child in this way. Councilmember Will Jawando pushed to get the video released and demands a full investigation. You shouldn't treat a human being the way this young boy was treated. It doesn't matter if he's five years old or 50 years old, no one should have been talked to in that manner. And ultimately, what do you want to see happen to those two officers? They should be fired. Kathy Park, NBC News. Welcome back to the Law broadcast here on the Basket News Radio show on the Basket News Radio Network at WCON uh, in Chapel Hill. Um, and uh, I want to remind people, if you are on the line, or if you're listening online, you can ask questions in the chat room or you can uh, ask at 646-929-0130. If you miss any part of this broadcast, 
go to their page on our website, the Bachelor News Radio Network.com, and go right at the top of the, of the page from left to right. You'll see Unilaw, Law, uh, their show page, and you can uh, listen and enjoy all the information that they always give on a, a weekly basis. Guys, um, uh, one, one point and then one sort of comment. Yes, North Carolina, they will not allow those cameras, those, that, that footage to be seen. You got to go through the court and the judge and all that kind of, but Carolina, quite candidly, I'm living here. I'm from Connecticut. You know, I'm from up top. So I don't really, I, I, you know, Carolina's backwards. It is always been, that's me speaking, um, law enforcement and otherwise. Um, so I'm not surprised with that. I'm also not surprised that this man had his hands on the steering wheel, according to the autopsy. Thank you, Virgil, for sending that to me. Um, so he he was shot in the head, the, the, the deadly blow, uh, unarmed, everything. So, you know, unfortunately, we're not surprised by that. My my question, I guess, now is, you know, when is the conversation going to go to where um, it, it's going to be about? For me, is 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 uh, immunity. It's um, this fraternal order of police that's stopping people. I mean, in terms of um, stopping what you guys try to do and what you're showing, bringing these these discussions to bear um, and the fact that when you look at the voting, it really comes out. I think you both said that on the show, on my show, people have to know who they're voting for. If this deputy sheriff or this sheriff or this police officer, or this police chief has a certain kind of angry mindset, a kind of lack of humanity mindset, then you shouldn't vote for them. And that's the responsibility of us to make sure we're doing it, guys. I didn't mean to talk so long, but your, your thoughts. Well, LA, yeah, let yeah. me let me say let me Virgil, if, if you don't mind, let me let me take this. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Virgil, you know, LA, I, I tell you what I what I've seen. Uh, not everybody can stand in front of a microphone and show empathy. Uh, not everybody, either. No matter what the circumstances are, uh, whether it was a justified shooting or not unjustified shooting question for shooting uh that police chief that the sheriff or whomever has to show, has to show him empathy and impartiality uh everyone can't do that it's automatic go into i need to defend my people because if i don't defend my people then the department and the members will be mad at me empathy there's no there shouldn't be no apology for being empathetic uh number one that's just basic common sense you, you can read all the books you want to on leadership but if you don't have any common sense that's not going to be, you're just going to be an educated fool, bottom line. The third thing is, the one of the good things that I've noticed out of this administration is that they're, they're basically saying it. we're not going to get rid of um, federal oversight when it comes to law enforcement agencies. As you see, uh, they're going back and they're looking at Chauvin's history. Uh, they're looking at the Louisville Police Department. So there, there is hope out there. The, the problem is... The, pro- the, 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 the resources are in place, L.A., and to the listeners, it's in place. The, the protocols are in place. The policies are in place. The laws are in place. It's, it's the bottom line of who's enforcing it, who's enforcing it. Um, and I've got a, uh, I got a 
take this break real quick, but you guys go right ahead. I'll be right back. Okay. All right. And I want to, you know, add to that uh, before we get into the topic of the show uh, about what has occurred in um, what's going on in North Carolina is that, you know, uh, since this incident has happened, there's been uh, over six nights of protesting going on in Elizabeth City. Um, and, and this was just days after uh, the uh, the uh, Minneapolis uh, police officer who was convicted of murdering George Floyd. Uh, so there's been this this spotlight put on police violence against black people. And now you've got another incident that has put the spotlight, uh, and the spotlight has not been taken off of law enforcement. But another concern that's going on with Another concern that's going on with the with the protests with the protesters and demonstrators in in this particular city, Elizabeth City in North Carolina, is that you've got people that are doing peaceful protesting. Uh, they are frustrated. They are blocking off intersections, uh, which is causing which is forcing motorists to take detours to uh, go different routes. But what that has caused is that you've got individuals who are probably living in a state that may have weapons in their vehicle. Now, all of a sudden, if this person is being uh, prevented from going down a certain road, then that person may display a weapon. And um, and that actually has happened, guys, where uh, – a gentleman uh, pulled out a gun out of his dashboard. He never uh, really pointed it at the protesters, but this was an incident. Now, that could have led to another uh, shooting. So, you know, one of the things that that I would like to say is that the law enforcement industry uh, really needs to take a good look at everything that's going on in the United States, and the fact that there, every time we do something or every time there's something done by a law enforcement officer, um, there is there's these multiple reactions from the community behind it, but it starts with what happens with the actions of either a police officer or a sheriff deputy, but I, I think there's been a video that's been released, Keith, that shows uh, uh, a truck. It looked like a, a sheriff's deputy's truck with multiple uh, deputies inside it, uh, inside of the, the bed of this pickup who were approaching this uh, this gentleman. Um, so there's a lot of questions as to how this incident went down, what led up to the shooting, uh, and the fact that according to information that has come out, this gentleman was not armed. He had his hands on a steering wheel. So uh, hopefully this uh, department will be just as transparent and do some things to really calm down some of the the, the, the tension that's going on uh, in this city because, Keith, as you know, the, the tension that's going on in, in Elizabeth City can carry over into other communities uh, in other cities in North Carolina and outside of North Carolina. 
Well, and well, Chief well, Green, I mean, just, right. if I could just if, if I could just say this to to you both, this is why when I had you guys on my show, when we talked about justice for George Floyd and this this officer being arrested, I said two things. Let's see how much time he gets. Number one, number two, um, there was an incident right after twenty minutes after the verdict. Now you have this young man. Um, Mr. Brown in in Elizabeth City getting shot. People are very cynical. It, enough is enough. And and black folks especially um, buy into the Kool Aid of, oh, okay, justice. You know, it's gonna get better. Like we had the first black president, and this, that, and the other. And it never does. It doesn't seem like getting that. And people are sick and tired of being sick and tired. The ones like us that see it for what it is and understand it. Guys, so it's a frustrating, cynical, pessimistic outlook that me and a lot of people have as black and brown people that George Floyd, he ain't even, I mean, the verdict, I mean, the verdict came out, but the sentencing is not till June. And now you got another one where this guy was just shot in his car. Like enough is enough but, already, guys. People don't seem to understand it. Well, I think I think they do, LA. I think I think people understand, and I, I think I think law enforcement understands also. And, it, and it's very frustrating for, especially me as a chief. Uh, you know, me especially a man of color. It's very disappointing because I, I, you know, my favorite term we've used is you take a one mile step, you walk a mile, you get knocked back twenty miles. And you know the yeah. incident, and it doesn't it doesn't even matter. If it's a justified incident, the, the fact of the matter is, this is what this is what people are seeing. Especially, this is what people of color are seeing. They're seeing police officers, white police officers, um, having to use excessive force, up to deadly force, on someone. Now, I will tell you this: that's not that's not reality in the world. That's not happening every day. That's not happening in every city. That's not. You see good officers. There are good officers out here. And I've told, but it comes down to the point of when you have an incident like Derek Chauvin, you have an incident like the young lady who used a lot, who 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 shot Dante, you know Dante with the ta- with the gun, thinking it was a taser. That's inexcusable. That's unnecessary, and and we can't make excuses for that. You don't make those kind of mistakes. But but those type of mistakes override the good things that officers are doing out here. And, and and that's hard to recover. That's hard to recover from when you see this over and over and again. And when you literally count the names and you see the faces and all the faces look like you and then all the other faces are are non 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 black, that does send a wrong message. That sends a bad message, whether it's intentional or not, it sends a wrong message. And and we and, and we've gotta do something. And I say this, I do still have hope that we can get through this uh, as a nation and as a, as a profession. I, I do believe it's going to be a lot of work. Uh, it's, it's a struggle every day for me to keep that optimism, but I do still have that optimism, but I am a realist also. Yeah, yeah, guys. Real talk. Well, uh, Chief Green, I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, oh no, you're, you're good, Ellie. It's always good to get your, your, your input and your insight, sir. But, you know, we're, uh, Keith and uh, listen, we're getting ready to come up on another break, but, we're also going to have another um, 
audio clip to play of another incident that involved another young uh, juvenile at a school where he was handcuffed or she was handcuffed by a police officer, and this officer actually brags about her being the youngest that he has handcuffed and arrested. But we're going to um, take a break. We're going to listen to this video, and we're going to come back. We're going to get into this conversation. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We are now seeing the shocking body cam video of an Orlando police officer handcuffing a six-year-old girl after she kicked a staff member in a temper tantrum at her school. And the charges were later dropped, but the officer was fired. Let's go to Louie now, who has more now on this heart-wrenching scene. September 19, 2019, Orlando police officer Dennis Turner arrives at Lucius and Emma Nixon Academy. Okay, she's going to have to come with us now. Okay, Kai, you got to go with them, baby girl. Stand up. And he arrests six-year-old Kaya Roll. Staff members at the school say she punched and kicked some of them. You can see a transport officer who officers say was unaware the proper approval was not obtained, restraining Kaya and leading her through the school as Officer Turner's body cam captures her reaction. Despite her cries not to, the transport officer places Kaya in the back seat of a patrol car and takes her to a juvenile justice center near downtown. Turner is seen speaking to school staff whose faces we blurred, who says Kaya makes her his youngest arrest. She's eight, isn't she? She's six. Now she has broken the record. Kaya's grandmother says Kaya suffers from a medical condition and sleep apnea, which causes her temper tantrums. What do you mean she was arrested? She told us in September that she should have never been taken into custody. Shortly after her arrest, Orlando's police chief announced he fired Turner for not seeking approval before her arrest. He also approved new policies that require a deputy chief to approve any arrest under the age of 12. And by the way, that body cam video was not released by the Orlando Police Department. It was released by the attorney for the family <laughs> who's pursuing this legal matter. Calvin and Nicole, back to you. Okay, Louis, thank you. Welcome back to the show. Uh, you and the law on the Bachelor News Radio Network, the Bachelor News uh, Radio Network, WCOM in Chapel Hill and Carborough. Again, if you missed any part of this broadcast, you can listen to the rebroadcast. Go to our website. You can even make comments on their page about any uh, questions or comments you have, any shows um, you want to comment on, any show topics, you can do, it, do that at the Unilaw page at our website, uh, the Bachelor News Radio Network.com. I will be screening calls. If you have a question or comment, you can say yay or nay. You keep listening and what have you. You're not on the air when I screen a call. just want to let you know real quick, guys, a couple of things, and I'll get out of your hair. Um, it, my kid, oh, it's going to be hell to pay. You, you're going to terrorize my kid. Mine's a teen. But, and this, this poor baby is, is, is six years old. And you handcuffing her? You can't just put her in a car? It's, first of all, it's one thing to, to, to even do the arrest, but you're going to cuff a six-year-old. Again, humanity, that's one thing. And, again, why would we be surprised if, 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 if the bad apples, um, that make it worse for you guys 
um, look at us as cattle and animals, then it, it don't matter if they're six or 66, it, it seems. And then there's, there's this, this brokenness. The cop in the earlier excerpt, they, he kept the job. The one in this one got fired. So there's no consistency. There's no continuity there. And I know it goes by agencies, which is why, in my opinion, it should be straight across the board. And the one question I do have for you, and someone asked me this, and I'm going to ask you this. You know, the Biden administration has put about, uh, a, a, I, I can't remember, it's hundreds of millions of dollars into prevention rather than policing in these cases, whether it be COVID or not. So instead of, the, instead of you guys having to do the extra work of being the counselor and breaking up domestic violence and everything, they're bringing in these people that may see the signs of medical medical issues or mental issues. So I want to get your you guys' thoughts on that and how effective it would be. Okay. All right. Well, well thanks, L.A. Well, I want to go back to the first video uh, that we shared with our listeners. And in that video, it was a, a black female officer and a white male officer who had been called to the school because the um, six-year-old had walked away from the school. They took him back to the school. But what was so disturbing about that, Keith, is the fact that this female officer was screaming for her voice uh, in front of other adults, in front of the child, and so it you have to ask yourself was this lady uh was she a mother was she a grandmother did she have nieces and nephews and how did the why would the school officials allow this to happen in their building you know they are the ones who call the police um and whether they were concerned about this six-year-old safety and you know keith we've talked about this on the show where when you have police officers in school, we've the term of pipeline to to to, to prison has been uh, talked about for for decades in our uh, public um, education, and um, so and it's something that we are seeing in our uh, elementary school. But it, it was very disturbing to see this lady who could be a mother or grandmother uh, display the unprofessionalism with this young child and the fact that she even handcuffs him in the presence of the mother. And I don't think uh, our listeners that this mother didn't realize the severity of what had happened until this was shared with her and they released the um this body cam footage to the to the mother and that's why now you you have the mother who is seeking legal actions and now on the second uh audio clip that we played where again this is a black male officer who is uh bragging about that that this six-year-old is has broken a record as being the youngest that he has ever arrested 
you know, L.A. and our listeners, and, and I, I ask myself, what? Why are these individuals even wearing a badge? Because again, you know, you're dealing with a child, and the traumas that this child is going to face will be for decades to come. And even when you, whether you're in law enforcement or you're retired, you still don't know that one uh, situation that you had with that with that juvenile. The the long-term mental health impact that is going to be had with that child. And I think this is something that we really need to talk about uh, in the law enforcement community. And, you know, when we talk about, Keith, when we talk about bad cops, uh, bad apples, there's, there's bad black cops and there's bad white cops. But it, it just really gets under my skin when I see and I hear another, uh, especially a black female, treating a six-year-old child this way and chastising this child and screaming at this child. And, you know, it just makes you wonder, what, where is this lady from now? You know, L.A., you mentioned in, in Orlando, the uh, officer there, he was terminated by his agency, but the uh, agency in Maryland County uh, where this other incident took place, that female officer and that male officer, I think they received some, some disciplinary actions, but they're still on the job. Um, and I, I would not want to see, I would not like to have these two officers working for my agency. I think some people will probably say that's pretty harsh, but I think we need to have officers who understand uh, the role that we have in how we need to carry ourselves. Yeah, there are some bad kids who act out and carry out, but I'm going to go back to if the school can't handle the situation, why are you calling in the police to deal with a, with a six-year-old and a five-year-old kid? That that is just it's I we've dealt with it. We're going to continue to deal with it. But I just think it's something that the schools really need to do a better job of dealing with, because we just don't have officers who really know how to deal with children. So, uh, you know, listeners, if you've got a comment about these. Uh, uh, videos uh, that we share with you. You can go to our Facebook page uh, at You and the Law One, and uh, click on the click on the uh, link to uh, to watch the video. But just very disturbing uh, uh, videos where police officers are not treating these children and trying to understand what's going on and what's causing them to to have these outbursts and first of all, making sure that you get a parent there. You know, this officer in Orlando, he handcuffed and took away the six-year-old without the parent even being there. And because so many things can happen, and I, I've told my officers this all the time, when you put a child in a police car, first of all, you know, at a certain age, you're supposed to be in a booster seat or a car seat. I don't know if this officer had that in the vehicle. It doesn't appear that he did. 
but anything can happen, an accident can happen, and you're transporting a a child under the age of eight somewhere, and an, something can happen. All those things we don't think about, but those are things that we really need to think about and why not handle everything at the school. And I have to say this, that when you listen to both of these uh, incidents, one happened in Maryland, one happened in Orlando, not one time do you hear the officers, the officers or officers say, can you guys deal with this and not make this a police issue? Yeah, you had one of the kids supposedly kick a teacher or whatever. You're a teacher. You're being paid. You're not being paid to be abused, but you're being paid to do a job. And you should have counselors at the school, or you should have somebody at the school who can deal with these children, to where they're not being um, put back uh, or being. Um, introduced into the criminal justice system because the six-year-old was taken to uh, a juvenile uh, justice system uh, where the charges was later dropped. But, guys, can you understand just the trauma that these kids are dealing with and the fact that you got these kids are crying that they don't want to be put in a police car, they don't want to be put in handcuffs, but it, not at one point did the out – Take away from them being from them being a police officer. Put in front yeah, and, of these and are Virgil, adults. Virgil, and that, that, I guess that brings uh, Chief uh, Humphrey that the uh, that goes back goes back to the question of you know you guys have so much on your plate, especially the good ones like you. You got to be all kinds of mediators and everything. You deal with all kinds of stuff. So, again, it goes back to the question of, is this a good thing? Is this something that would work, Chief Humphrey, where instead of they having more officers in these situations, they have more mediators of people who deal with mental illness or child issues, let's call it, or whatever, where they can go, uh, or officers are trained in that matter. That might be even a different step. I mean, I know you're trained, but you can't be a psychologist. Like, you can't be that on the road, dude. I mean, you already got your hands, you know, with the bad with criminals and everything else. So the Biden administration put this money towards this different way of, salute, uh, you know, solutions uh, in handling these cases. Uh, Chief Humphrey, is that something that could be long-lasting and, and, and positive that'll work in these situations? Rather than have an well, officer arresting a five-year-old or a six-year-old. Sure. Well, hey guys, uh, before we, the... hey Keith, before we get into yeah. to that, I think we need. I just noticed that we're coming up on on our last break, so we need to take this break, and then we'll come back and we'll 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 pick up that conversation. But uh, you're listening to you and the law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Space. Some regions are vast and empty, other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? 
to you and the law on the Pastor News Radio Network, WCO and the Chapel Hill. Again, the rebroadcast at the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, their show page is You and the Law. Follow them on Facebook, You and the Law. And of course, we certainly appreciate uh, you listening this evening as we try to keep it happy. No, no play on this, the, the instrumental. Um, but I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Chief Humphrey. You were you were responding to that question that the um, the came from the audience about you know having some different uh, mediators or, or some different forms of training uh, for people to go in with the mental illness. Yeah, like those those resources are, are, are available. And, and we talk about the CIT training, crisis and intervention training, uh, CIT officers. Uh, all that stuff is in existence, man. What, what we try to get, what we got to get people to understand, you can't teach common sense. Um, Bottom line is, <laughs> why would you as an adult arrest a six-year-old child? There's no CIT. There, there's, that doesn't matter if that guy's had CIT training or not. That's common sense. Why would you do that? Uh, now, do you need that emotional intelligence training? Absolutely. But let me tell you what's happened to law enforcement over the last 25 and 30 years. We come up with all these great ideas. I remember in the 90s, Clinton passed the Weed and Feed Act. COP, that's when community-oriented policing first was introduced as a formalized process. Weed and seed, going to the communities, paid overtime for officers to be out playing basketball with kids. And you had your neighborhood officers, and that was their focus, to stay in that neighborhood and get to know people and reduce crime and be resources for between the liaison between. That's all great. The funding ran out. Let's talk about the D.A.R.E. program. The D.A.R.E. program. That was a program that was basically geared toward helping youngsters, and I believe that was sixth, fifth, and sixth, seventh grade. Um, it was it was it was to teach them about the danger of drugs. That lost funding. See, when that stuff loses funding, it's all great. It's all great when this money's put out there. But what we don't do in law enforcement, we don't focus on ways to sustain those programs. It's like that new car. You're going, you buy that new car, but you're not thinking about the insurance and the maintenance and things long-term. You think about, I got a brand new car, I can drive it. It's not going to break down, but when it breaks down, that's what's happened in law enforcement. So now we're getting all these new ideas. Everybody's got these new ideas. But the thing about it is, let's grab them, but who are you putting in those programs? How do you sustain those programs? It's, it's great to have these explore programs. It's great to have these um Mental health professionals going out with the office, it's great, but can you sustain them? And are you doing it for the right reason? Are you doing it because it's the right thing to do, or are you doing it because it looks good and you want to check that off on your bucket list? That's the things that happen. We don't have people, you know, our, our profession has, has lost its ability or the ability or capability to sustain things that we need. We get them, we don't sustain them. When you start something and you can't finish it, that's when it's detrimental to a community. Yes, these type of programs work, but you've got to have the right people in the program. You've got to have a formalized program with a mission and a vision, and then you've got to be able to sustain it. That's, that's, where we lose, that's where we fall down in law enforcement. That's where we fall down in federal funding. 
when it comes to that. We jump on the money. You know, it's just like the um, um, hiring more officers, the COPS grant. You know, we get this money to hire 20, 30 new officers. You already know after three and a half years, you're going to have to sustain that. We take that money up front, and we're going to do that, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. Three and a half years come. We either can't keep those officers or we go away from the mission that we hired those officers to do. That's the problem with law enforcement. The program, that's the problem with, 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 our, with the, uh, the local law enforcement and federal funding and communities. We don't sustain it. We look at the short term and not the long term. Well, well you're absolutely uh, right, Keith, and I think a lot of people in, uh, in the community don't realize that when these, federal, when these programs are implemented and there's federal funding from it, um, that funding doesn't last uh, for very long. And so um, that is why, you know, I think, you know, one of the questions about what's going on with the Biden administration with, with funding, there may be some federal funding, but that gives agencies the ability to apply for a grant to, to, to uh, utilize those federal dollars, but that, Funding may not last but a year. It may not last but two years. And now what that agency started, if they don't have it in their budget to continue it, then it just goes away. Um, Burgling in, every, de- so, in every department in every department doesn't get a chunk of that money either. No, no. That's very competitive. It's very competitive. Yeah. It is. And yeah. as you and I both know, if you're with a, with a smaller agency, you – if you are lucky to get any of that funding, you're going to really receive a, a very small percentage of that funding, if any at all. So the majority of those grants go to much uh, major city agencies such as, you know, like New York or Los Angeles or um, any any major city that has a has a very large police department. Some of those uh, those federal dollars are going there, and they're not reaching our small and rural agencies, um, and which the majority of our law enforcement is made up of small and rural agencies. So uh, that's that's a whole other conversation to have about the funding mechanism when there's federal dollars coming down to to our local law enforcement. But to get back on this uh, topic about the mental state of of, of uh, our kids dealing with law enforcement officers and the fact that this is not a conversation that the law enforcement community is having as to telling their officers these are things that we should not be doing. And this the, the two videos that we saw, there are hundreds of videos or hundreds of other incidents that have happened where police have handcuffed uh, kids from the ages of, of six all the way up to, uh, to 10 to 15 years of age. Uh, and you have to keep, you continue to ask yourself, why do these things continue to happen? Um, you know, I've, I, incidents have, have happened with me where I have just become living with officers who, when I find out that they put handcuffs on a child, because I'm looking at them and I'm saying, you have a child. Would you want an officer putting handcuffs on your child? And the very first thing they will say, no. 
or why would you do it to somebody else's child? And again, we don't because look they, at. Go ahead. Because virgin, they think that they think that they're solving a problem, and it's all about scared. This is not the days of scared straight. You know, we have to go back and look at man. This, this is, there's a bigger picture than this, Virgil, in, in L.A. You know, we're talking about children and them being um, traumatized. Let's, go, let's just think this. You got a little nine-year-old girl walking to the store with her aunt to get some snacks, and she sees a police officer. And there's already tension in Minneapolis regarding previous officer-involved deaths. He and mm-hmm. she sees a man kneeling on this man, on this man's neck. Now, this is a person mm-hmm. who has been sworn in to protect the community, okay? This is, this is that person. And, and she's even saying, get up off of it, and he's ignoring her. That's why people, and, it, and it's not going to get any better, because how many kids under the age of 15, or let's just say under the age of 12, saw that, and they continue to see it over and over again because it's on social media. You don't think mm-hmm. that's traumatized? You don't think that's tra- that traumatized people? You don't think that that traumatized kids to the point that they don't want to see police officers? You don't think that traumatized kids enough that when they do see a police officer, even if you're trying to go up and talk to them, they're going to run because they don't know. That. So, so it's 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 bigger than just you know handcuffing someone. It's you got a half of a nation. You got a you, well. You have a nation and a large kids that are tuned into social media and more in tune with what's going on in the world, saw a man die at the hands of a police officer. Now, you don't think that that's traumatizing? You don't think that a group of kids saw a police officer shoot a 15-year-old girl, whether it was justified or not. Let's just take the justification out of it, whether it was or not. But they saw a 15-year-old girl die in front of them. That is traumatizing. Doesn't mean if it's no matter if it was justified or not. You see this stuff. Kids are seeing this stuff. They're seeing these type of things going on in their communities. They're seeing this stuff on TV. They're seeing this stuff nationally. Of course, they're traumatized. Of course, they are. They're traumatized because they're afraid, and they should never be afraid of police officers, whether it's on a, based on what officers have done or based on what their parents have told them. A child should never be afraid of police officers. We should always, no. a child should always be able to come up to us and ask us for assistance, and, and, and we give them guidance. So I just had to get that out there because it's a, it's a very, very sensitive topic with me because it, it, it upsets me when I just see that you have kids that had to witness that, uh, and that little girl testified that she saw that. And you don't think she's traumatized? Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, Keith. And I think, you know, anybody, whether you're a parent or not a parent, you don't have to be a parent to to understand the, the trauma that these young children are, are, are dealing with and, and the long-term impact that the that those children would have to deal with that. Uh, and they may not have the, the resources to, to, to seek, uh, to, to talk to somebody about the things that's going on with them. And as the older they get, Keith, the more of a resistance attitude that they have with police. I'm going to give you an example of something that we talked about several months ago on, on our show that took place in, in uh, I want to, I believe it was in Baltimore, where a group of kids walking home, 
uh, from school. They have to ride public transportation. They got stopped by several police officers. Next thing you know, one of the police officers is putting one of the kids in the back of the car. Now, these kids know their rights. They know that the police can what they can and cannot do. But, Keith, when we talk about in, in the our show is called You and the Law, and we are here talking to our listeners and our parents and, and the youth about what are your rights when you are dealing with law enforcement. But when and, – and so many people have said this to me, Keith, is that you guys talk about what our rights are, but we actually really don't have any rights when we deal with the police because we can't say no. We, if we resist, if we say no, then it be, they're saying that we're resisting, and then resisting leads to being thrown down on the ground or thrown down on a car, handcuffed, and being arrested, and, and, and which could lead up to the death of, 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 of an individual. So for everybody who is a police officer that listens to, to this podcast show, You and the Law, you really need to understand the long-term impact that you and this industry is having on our youth because it's not going to go away. And you wonder when these kids, when you say something to them, they have an attitude with you, and now you're wondering, well, why you got an attitude with me? I didn't do anything to you. Well, it may not be you. It may have been another officer. But they're just seeing you as the police. There, there's not a consistency of behavior across America policing. You don't get the same thing in L.A. and you don't get the same thing in, 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 in North Carolina or New York. There's so much difference, Keith. And I think that's why when police officers wonder, well, you're having an attitude. Well, if these kids don't want to have nothing to say to you, let them walk. Just like Keith, we talked about the young man in Dallas who, in Irving, who was walking home in the snow. What happened to him? He didn't. He did everything he could to avoid having any conversation with the police, but they forced themselves upon him. That led to him being arrested. They later dropped the charges. But now you've got a young man who he's going to be dealing with the trauma of having a bad experience with police. So. But let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Virgil. Do you think some of that happens with these officers? Because those were younger officers. And do you think sometimes they feel like they just have to do something? Do you think we're training them that way? Do you think we train them I, I the do. fact that you just can't leave? You can't leave a situation without having a solution. And we're not training them that sometimes you just can't do something. So is it, is it a training yeah. thing? Is it a is it a is it a common sense thing? Because I, I, and the reason I'm asking you that just, just really quick, because I've talked to young officers about that, and their thing is, well, what if, what if we let him go and he gets hit by a car, and then they find out later that we tried to talk to him, we're in trouble. You know, you can't, you can't make somebody talk to you, but, but the mind is there. We've got to do something. If we don't do something, it's going to look like we don't care or we're going to look like we're not doing our job. I'm not making excuses, but I'm just telling you you've got to look at all both sides. Yeah, well, and some of it could be the, the inexperience of the officers, but we also see senior officers who have the same thing. Keith, I just think it just comes down to, and this is my opinion, Keith, I think it comes down to the uh, the individual. 
their background, where they came from. Absolutely. And and, Absolutely. and how how they value and I and, and I wanna use that word again, how they value other people's lives because we know they would not do their children that way or they would not do their friends' children that way. But when you don't value another child's life, whether they're uh, black or Latino, uh, Native American, when you look at that person and you don't have any value, then you, you're, you're just saying, I've got on a uniform, i got on a badge. When I tell you to get off the, uh, get off the, the street and get on the curb, you better do so. And if that kid says, man, forget you. I'm going to walk where I want to walk. Guess what? Now, all of a sudden, the aggression and the attitude comes in because it's like, how dare you speak to me that way? Well, at the end of the day, dude, first of all, you're not the kid's daddy. If he wants to, if, if he, you tell him to get on the sidewalk, get on the sidewalk. At the end of the day, let this young man go or let this young lady go, but try to build some type of relationship that the next time they see you, it may be much of a more positive encounter because what they're going to remember is, man, you that asshole dude who I had to deal with before, and, man, I don't want to deal with you again, and there's going to be that back and forth. And, Keith, as you know, that back and forth will continue on until something either good happens or something bad happens. Yeah, this is this is an ongoing dialogue we got to have, man. But let me just say, yeah. what's the what's the most important part of, of training? Listening. What's the most important part? Now, I would say continuing listening. to be continuing to be a student of the profession, no matter what. Yeah, well, that too. Level you at? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Well, hey, Keith, brother, it has been good to to have. Uh, uh, another great show uh, where we're talking with our listeners about important topics that are, are happening in, in our community, and we want to encourage our listeners to continue to, to follow you and the law and uh, tune in again next week as you as we come up with more uh, great topics to, to talk with you, you guys about. But uh, tune in to us next Tuesday, and you're as on the Bachelor News Radio Network, but you're listening to you and the law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. All right, good night, everybody.